I'm Casey. And I'm Emily. And you're listening to A Sprinkle of Sugar, A Dash of Murder, a true crime podcast with an element of baking. Yeah. So, this is Casey speaking. (laughs) (laughs) I just had to say that because Emily is the one that picked our recipe this week. So I'm really slacking because Emily also does the research. (laughs) So, yeah, high five, Casey, for being a slacker. Actually... But you found this recipe. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what what is it? <laughs> I'm not as good at it. I'm not used to this. What is it? Tell me. <laughs> um, so this week we are doing Countess Bowtry, and she's known as the Blood Countess. So I went with um, a blood orange vodka. I think it's called a blood... Yeah, it's called a blood orange sunrise. Ooh. And it has... Blood orange vodka, simple syrup, orange bitters, and blood orange soda mm-hmm. in it. So lots of blood orange. And you could put a slice of blood orange in it if you want to, but I forgot that part. Even though I have them down in my kitchen, but we're just too lazy to go now and get <laughs> Yeah, now we're upstairs and that's but yeah, that. we are drinking them. Yeah. I'm trying to make the glass clink or the ice clink in my glass, but it won't. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> literally hit it against yeah. the microphone cheers <laughs> take a sip oh so good it is good so yeah i highly recommend drink. it you know like i don't think um emily and i were talking about this it's not like a risky drink where it's gonna be strong or you're mixing some weird things together um it's really good and it goes down really smooth it's good for like a summer day yeah i will post the ingredients and recipe whatever on the instagram too so check that out yeah all right emily let's get started okay so this is um i have always really really been fascinated with countess bouchery have you ever heard of her before no i'm not at all so she is known to this day she has a guinness world record as uh if not the most one of the most prolific serial killers ever Wow, and a woman. Yeah. So it's. An, I thought you were just gonna say like, the most popular woman serial killer or something. No. But no, it's ever. No. Yeah. Wow. So her highest, the num. I'll go into. Obviously, I'll get into it. Of her number is pretty debatable, but the highest she's been accused is six hundred and fifty girls. How do you even have the time for that? I know, right? <laughs> yeah. So that is probably s- not true. I don't but. know if I know 650 people. <laughs> Same. I definitely like, don't. <laughs> I think I have like 300 friends on Facebook. Yeah. Same. Um, and like I said last week, this is a really old one. And she was born. So first of all, this takes place in Hungary. Um, so the names are, they have like the Hungarian version of their names and an English version. Her name is Elizabeth in the English, but it's pronounced like Elizabeth oh. in Hungarian. Yeah. I just blanked for a second. But most of the names I have in the English version of their names to make it a little easier on me. So, Perfect. So she was born August 7th, 1560 in Nayarbador, Hungary. Wow. Hungary. I always want to say that. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. Um, wow. That's amazing. That's so far back. I know. So, are we sure that these historical, I mean, some of them, 
are going to be a little hazy, but is it pretty much historically accurate, too? Yeah, that is that is for sure her date of birth. That's so ex- I'm I'm excited just because these, these are like a history lesson. Yeah, there's... I have... This notebook here is... F- I just lifted a notebook up. It's full <laughs> of notes that I've taken about her and the time period. Because I've read tons of books. I'm just, like, so fascinated with the... So, I, there's a lot of history in this episode, but sorry i think it's fascinating (laughs) yeah absolutely i'm interested okay so in 1540 20 years before she was born um hungary was divided into three parts um royal hungary ottoman hungary and the principality of transylvania so there it was a very much politically divided place at the time because of a bunch of wars and obviously the country is divided into three parts but um elizabeth was part of the royal family on all three parts so she was a very very powerful woman oh her parents were cousins um which i mean that was really common yeah right <laughs> she was the second child of four and her father is Baron George the Sixth Bathory on the Exid branch of the family, and who was the voivode of Transylvania, which is basically the highest official you could be in the Principality of Transylvania, which is, he's like a high lord. He's oh, okay. very, very powerful. Um, and then her mother was Baroness Anna Bathory, who was the daughter of another voivode of Transylvania on the Somalia branch. So, <laughs> or Somlio. Um, she was the niece of a Hungarian noble and the king of Poland, the Grand Duke of Lithuania, um, and she was also the niece of the Prince of Transylvania. So she has a lot of political, powerful connections. That's... And, like, all over the place. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's it's just so crazy. Someone of such high standing, like, becomes one of the most infamous people of all time. Right. I know. That's that's what I was just thinking. That's kind of what I meant by crazy. Because I was just thinking, like, I mean, she had a lot of connections. And she probably did get away with a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, that just shows you that she was probably a true psychopath. Oh, Yeah. That's interesting. She definitely is. Um, Now, there are... Oh, also, her nephew was King Matthias of Hungary. So, he will come into play a little later, too. And rumors of cruelty stem from a very, very young age with her. She suffered from seizures that we would now call epilepsy, but they didn't have a name for that then. They called it... um, the falling sickness back okay then. and it was believed by historians that she got this disease or condition from the amount of inbreeding that happened oh yikes yeah that's good point don't marry your cousins <laughs> <laughs> so at the time epilepsy was uh treated by rubbing a non-sufferer's blood on the person's lips <laughs> it's really gross or mixing a non-sufferer's blood with fragment of skull, and then you drink it. So, obviously, that does nothing, but they thought it did. Yikes! So, Ooh. she's essentially being not treated for this at all. Right. 
So then they're like, oh, give us someone's blood. We need it. Would she just carry it around with her? I think, like, they would just, like, prick someone's finger. And just put it on her mouth. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, yeah, that's nasty. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really gross. And then by that point, they probably, like, the seizure was just over. So Yeah. I mean, they'd be like, I I mean, what was the logic? Like, oh, it worked because... There's no way that works. Yeah, probably just one time they tried it and it ended the seizure. Yeah. So then they just assumed that that worked. It's insane. I, I'm trying insane. to think. Insane. I just <laughs> It's insane. <laughs> I'm trying to think, though. I, I feel like maybe she, from having so many seizures, it might have, like, affected a part of her brain that kind of made her a little, a little off as a person. Yeah. Because... You when you're having a seizure, it's literally depriving your brain of oxygen. Yeah. So if you have a long term seizure, you can really cause some brain damage. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of historians who believe that as well that it played a huge part into her later. Right. Also, she there are a lot of stories um, that she was taught witchcraft by a relative named Anna Derulia who was suspected of being a witch and there are records of Anna Drivulia living with her in her castle around the time of like 1601 um and there are records of her going on trial for witchcraft but no like sentencing or anything so there it's really really speculated doesn't that make you a little curious that there are so many witches i'm doing quotes yeah witches out there at that time like every woman that did anything a little off was a witch yeah and went on trial for it so like at that point you'd think that women wouldn't want to um take part in witchcraft yeah exactly unless there were they actually were on something with their witchiness yeah and were actually <laughs> able were to do something about it <laughs> yeah so anyway um so what I'm saying is, like, initially I was thinking, like, well, I mean, they probably just accused her for no reason, but maybe, yeah, maybe she actually was thinking she was a little witchy, and then rubbed it off on, <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of historians believe from these records of Anna that she was bisexual, and that because of her, like, they called it sexual barbarism. They thought that meant she was a witch. So that could also play a part into these rumors. But I don't know. Maybe she was a witch. Who knows? That's so... Wow. That's... This is so ahead of its... Or she is just kind of like not along with the times at all. Yeah. She's... She don't care. No, she don't. (laughs) And um, an uncle is also rumored to have taught her Satanism as a child. But the first record of these rumors really only surfaced after she was arrested later. So, Mm. you know, it's one of those, like, when you find out about someone, you're going to be like, let's make this bigger tale than it needs to be, you know? Right. Because, like, you you keep on referencing the historians. They have to go back and, like, try to decipher what's fact and what's story. Yeah. So it's really difficult to tell because, I mean, even now, whenever there's any kind of killer out there anything there's always false facts out there about them too because people are out there making up stories yep so you have to decipher between what's true and what's not also it especially since it was so long ago 
there's so much time between then and now for the story to just continue to grow and grow out of proportion which it has it really has um because one of the things she's most famous for countess bowtry is this rumor she bathed in blood and that it made her beautiful and that's why she wanted to do it there's absolutely no proof that she bathed in blood there's absolutely nothing but that is what sticks the most to her no that, way. That's what people remember most. Oh, the bloody countess because she bathed in blood. She definitely was a fan of torture, but that was something that wasn't even written until like the 1700s when someone came up with that. She was long dead. Wow. So that's another thing. Like time twists it and becomes quote unquote fact, you know? Right. Yeah. Huh. So she was actually raised in a really religious household as a Calvinist Protestant. Um, And her family was actually really loving and normal for the time period. But this doesn't mean there was no violence because violence was just an accepted part of life in the 1500s. Uh, She once witnessed, as a kid, Elizabeth did, a gypsy being sewn into a horse as a punishment, which was actually a really common punishment for the time. Imagine that. Poor horse. I, I know, mean, right? Like, poor gypsy, <laughs> but also that poor horse is being punished, too. Well, that's the thing. is like, okay, I mean, torture is horrible, always absolutely horrible, but why also punish a horse that's clearly innocent? I know. I feel bad. I mean, the gypsy's probably innocent, too, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When she was 10 years old, Elizabeth was promised to the Nadesty family, which is another very powerful family, um, to their 15-year-old son, Francis, which is, again, the English version of his name. I think it's, like, Frenick or something like that. Um, Hungarians started court life at 14 years old, and they would go to Vienna for court, and Boys and girls in Hungary were taught and raised the same until they were 10 years old. So, you know, especially back then, a lot of people are like, oh, girls were really, really uh, discriminated against. Nobody wanted girls. That was absolutely not true of this time. Gender was not really a binary concept in Hungary in the early modern era. They were considered nobles first and boys and girls second. So they were treated the same. Wow. Yeah, it's really ahead of its time, actually. Yeah, right. Um, and the reason I mention this is because there are a lot of conspiracies that perhaps um, her crimes, Elizabeth's crimes, were all framed to make her, because they were afraid she was a powerful woman. And so there are conspiracies that this was all made up because they just wanted to get rid of her because she was very powerful and a woman. I don't think that's true based on the, like, history of the time period uh it kind of makes no sense and i'll go into it a little bit more too but childhood was treated as a really sacred time of innocence so all reports of elizabeth's childhood are totally normal um she was never treated less for being a girl her because biological sex meant less than your social and economic status at the time too wow yeah. So again, it I mean, women by no means were treated like totally equal at this time period, but mm-hmm. like it's different than what you would think it is for 1500s, you know? Yeah. 
men were actually in charge of if their child was like taken on a play date or taken around town they were in charge of going to pick the child up like fathers were and it was a father's duty to put their family first and take care of the children really interesting Um, yeah it is interesting so if like the father obviously is expected to like go to court and fight in wars and stuff so then the mother would be in charge but it was really the father's duty to like make sure things were in place for the children good which wow. is yeah pretty cool yeah i guess i so mean that's a neat concept <laughs> yeah what a concept <laughs> um so court was where young nobles networked oh, oh by the way um my daughter is in here with us <laughs> right now so if you hear some cooing that's her yeah she was supposed to be taking a nap she decided not to yeah <laughs> She's having a good old time, though. Okay, go on. Um, so court was where young nobles networked with each other, and they learned fighting skills. Um, those who learned a lot and fought really well at an early age would go on to be really powerful. And the- She's okay. She does that sound. <laughs> and those who didn't, who weren't very good at fighting, would try their best to make friends with the more powerful so they could still be connected. Okay. So that was the purpose of court. And Elizabeth's husband, Francis, did very well in court. And at a very early age, he was made a captain in the military. Um, By the time he was a teenager, he was. And also a high stable master was his another position he held. I'm not entirely sure what that means. but I I picture horses. I know, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he was also notorious as being a very savage fighter in court. Really? Yes. And Elizabeth and Francis married May 8th, 1574, when she was 14 and he was 20. And their marriage was a three-day festival with 4,500 guests in attendance. Can you imagine? Wow. (laughs) I mean, a wedding is stressful enough, I would imagine. And you have, like, over 4,000 people coming to your wedding. Like, what? Especially just like uh, right now, that would be a huge production. But just imagine how I wonder how weddings were back then, too. Because just imagine how difficult that would be. I mean, seating alone. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or, um, any of it. I mean, that'd be a massive production. Food. Yeah. Drinks. And that's before, I mean, we, you had a lot of the things that we're, we have access to today. Mm hmm. And, I mean, just travel alone for a lot of those people probably took days. True, yeah. Or months, depending on where they come from. Right. No cars or airplanes. Right. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yeah. That would be, it would be, I mean, they're a very powerful family, so you got to pull out all the stops, I guess. I know, but, like, I wonder if it, you know how, like, with inflation and everything, money transfers, obviously, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, well, what was $5 back then is $5,000 now. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if that's kind of the same with, like, people. Like, oh. if so, you said there was, like, 4,000. 4,500. Yeah, so 4,500 people. I wonder if that kind of translate like, translates to, like, 45,000 people today, like, that kind of effort it takes for a production like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just what I'm picturing. <laughs> um, so Elizabeth kept her last name, Bowtry, when they married, because that was also the custom at the time in Hungary. Women kept their last name if they were of higher status than their husband, which she was. 
That kind of makes sense. Yeah. That's still true today in England. Yeah. The queen kept her last name. Right. Um, Elizabeth was extremely well-educated, very, very intelligent. She spoke four languages, and she was actually very well-versed in politics. So there are some people who say she just enjoyed being a queen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wasn't a queen. She was a countess. But um, she actually knew what she was doing. She was very good at her job, mm-hmm. at which I'll also go into. Um until she wasn't, you know. <laughs> right. Um, Francis gave Elizabeth Castle Choctise as a gift, which is where they lived. Um, imagine. Here's, here's a castle. It's, it's this beautiful, well, it's kind of like in ruins now, but you can still visit it. Mm-hmm. Castle at the top of like this mountain with like a bunch of forest around it. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, imagine at its time. But also he gave her the 17 surrounding villages of Castle Castle. Chuktize. So they wow. were in charge of 17 villages. That's a big gift. Yeah. So there are rumors that she had an illegitimate child and that the father was killed by Francis. But again, that's another rumor that there's no documentation of. So. I mean, he was so aggressive, though. He was. He was quite fond of torture. Uh, In 1575, Francis leaves on his first campaign against the Ottomans. So there's tons of wars going on, like I said. The Ottomans invading the country was this continuous thing. Um, Torture was very very household, was very common in households at this time. Um, And Francis taught Elizabeth some of his favorite methods of torture, which were to roll pieces of oiled paper and put them between a person's toes and light it on fire. That's so unnecessary. I know. Like, that's I know. just such a weird kind of torture. Yeah. And there are reasons why. Um, okay. Elizabeth herself really prefers, um, she and Francis preferred burning and um like pricking people with needles and stuff because the tripartium which was the legal code at the time says it's totally legal um for you to burn your servants like that's just an okay form of punishment if they're out of hand so that's why burning happens a lot with them wow that's horrible i know it's it's really terrible um which, and it's also why they got away with a lot of stuff, because the nobles were totally protected and the serfs were not at all. Ugh. It was torture. We've said this before in other episodes of this time period, like the werewolf one. It was considered necessary in legal proceedings mm. um, that with you wouldn't tell the truth if you weren't tortured into, into telling the truth, you know? And it's the same thing with servants. If you were not tortured, you wouldn't obey. So they're definitely like a fear over being loved for obedience kind of thing. Wow. In 1585, Elizabeth gave first... Wow, I can speak today. It's the alcohol. Gave, <laughs> gave birth to her first child, Anna. And then she had two more daughters in the coming years after that, but their birth dates are not exactly known um in 1591 the 15 year war began and francis was an officer in that war and while he was away elizabeth was in charge she ran all of the estates administered to charities that helped widows and rape victims of invading ottomans and she provided care for orphan children 
so it's very strange this total like that's like you were saying like she's a total psychopath where she can to the world she looks so caring and treating her serfs very well but then later she does not she really wasn't (laughs) yeah um, she was incredibly wealthy during the wartime, and she was actually able to loan money to the Habsburg royal family. So the royal family actually owed her money. So she's doing well off. She's very well off. Uh, she paid the bills for all the estates. She kept credit with local merchants. She was in charge of rationing food to surrounding villages, clothes, medicine, gave them labor tasks so they would have work. She ordered and paid for repairs to homes of people in her villages. She built defense walls for them, well, had them built. Balanced accounts of sales of livestock, produce, and wine. She was a busy woman. Yeah, how do you even have time to kill 600-something people? (laughs) I know, right? But, um, like I was saying earlier, dependent males and married females held, held the same rights and privileges. So women could own their own land and run their estates without a husband which is exactly what she did especially after her husband died because francis dies a few years later um so women in power is not unusual like we were saying because that's another that's a one of the biggest conspiracies that people were just trying to upseat her because she was so powerful right nah i i say no (laughs) um she gave birth to Andrew Nodesty in 1596, but unfortunately he died in infancy. Aww. And then she had another son, Paul, in 1598, and he is her only surviving son. She is also known as a really cold mother based off of some letters she wrote to Francis, but some historians say she was really cold and unfeeling, and one of the letters in reference says at your service i write to you as my beloved husband regarding the children i can report that anna and norsica are healthy regarding kata however there is a problem in her mouth namely rot has spread there such as the jawbone is infected oh um and then she goes on telling him her husband francis about the procedure they had to do for their daughter kata um And then, I do not know how the Lord will bring the matter to an end. In any case, it's very bad for her at the moment. About myself, I can write that things are now going much better. Written, day 1596, your servant, Elizabeth Bowtree. So people are like, she doesn't write him. Like, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, some people argue that was a really cold letter. But comparing this to other letters written at the time, they were at war. And it was very common for you not to write extensive flowery letters your husband doesn't have time to read them. They want to know about the children, and that's about it. So it kind of makes sense to me. And she also sounded like a, a businesswoman. You know, she was just kind of like handling things at home. She wanted to give him a solid update. Yeah. But also, like, see you when you get home kind of thing. Exactly. Like, she knows he doesn't really have time for much else. He wants to know about the kids, and that's it. So I just. Not to, like, defend her against her later, the later stuff that's going to happen, but I just think there's so much of people painting her like she was a terrible mother, she was a witch, she was a Satanist, and I think so much of that is all speculation that I just want to point out, it, I mean, due to the, like, time period and everything, like, that was a typical letter. It's not, it doesn't scream, like, cold person, you know? Right. I think that, um... People are reading it and then taking it in today's society, which that's not the case. 
Right. You have to think of it with the historical context. I mean, even, like, what am I trying to say? Never mind. What I'm saying is not making sense at all. (laughs) (laughs) So, in 1602, that is when rumors started in these surrounding villages that there were killings happening at Chaktize Castle. It was very common for girls to be sent to her castle to, you know, um, to work there. And a lot of people sent their daughters there, you know, for work because it, it looks really, really good. You're a really poor family. You're going to go work at this noble's castle, this noble who has provided for you through all these wars, who is a charitable woman to the world, helping orphans and rape victims and on the like. Mm -hmm. So of course you would. But when family members asked to see their daughters, they were always told, no, you can't see them. Yikes. Red flag. So one servant reported, and this is a real testimony, um, the mistress, oh, so Francis gave Elizabeth some potatoes, I guess, before he left one time, and Elizabeth just handed them to this German girl servant to hold, just to, like, hold on to, like, here, hold these for a minute, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So he says, the mistress gave these potatoes to the German girl to hold. The girl ate one and could therefore no longer present it. As a result, the mistress heated the other potato until it was very hot, then shoved it nearly flaming into the girl's mouth as a punishment just for eating one. That's horrible. Yeah. I mean, and there are, there are tons of counts like this. Um, another witness, his name's Dezo, and he had some pretty, like, damning witness. He also said, The mistress took a shoemaker's daughter named Alanka, stripped her naked, and in this way cruelly tormented her by taking a knife and beginning with the fingers, shoving the knife into both arms. Thereafter, she flogged the girl and then held a burning candle to her hands until they were burned and singed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's very... It's terrible. No, that is horrible. I can't believe... I... That's messed up. Yeah. And uh, uh, things like this were kind of her favorite thing, like poking people with hot pokers girls really the girls who worked for her with hot pokers so it was really common or there were a lot of reports as well that elizabeth preferred as a method of torture to shove like hot pokers up a girl's vagina what that is so messed up it's nasty and that just makes me want to die because that's that would hurt so bad so i mean that is that why they're saying that she's bisexual yeah i think that's part of why those rumors came up because a lot of the injuries she inflicted were to like girls genitalia so yeah um but in an ironic part of this it was also elizabeth's duty to oversee to violence to her serfs so that was part of her job um to make sure it was within the code which she herself was you know she was within her rights to torture her serfs but like she did it for fun not just to like punish them you know well yeah i mean if you're the person in charge then who's gonna catch you exactly so there were different kinds of violence at the time which was interpersonal violence 
which was any act of violence outside the parameters of war, public violence, which was between people of the same gender and same social standing. And usually people with public violence preferred like public humiliation or a duel as public as punishment. And a duel was between noble men with blades and strikes to the head or vital organs. And striking your head was so offensive to a man's honor. Also, I think that would kill you, but I guess the honor was a big deal too. Um, and then public violence was accepted by the codes of the Tetrapartium to solve conflict. So it was perfectly legal. And then private violence, which is what Elizabeth was committing, um, is the kind of violence where nobles could discipline their servants as they saw fit. Beatings and torture are perfectly legal, but they weren't allowed. It was against the law to kill their servants. But if you want to, you know, beat them up, sure. That's horrible. Yeah, it was really terrible. I know this is kind of like a, I just want to know if you read about this, like about rape. Like, were they allowed to rape their servants too? Um, I don't think so. I think that was against the code, but also if it happened, um, serfs were not allowed to bring charges against a noble. So if it did happen, there's really nothing they could do about it because it was against the law for them to accuse a noble of anything. Wow. Another noble had to catch you in the act to accuse you. Wow, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. You know, that kind, not the whole rape thing, but, like, just all of this kind of reminds me of uh, the what? show Bridgerton. Oh, my gosh. On, on uh, Netflix. I love Bridgerton, though. The only Wait, reason, what do you mean? <laughs> the only reason why is because of just all the, like, the noble, the rules with, like, oh, yeah. nobles and, you know, who can address who and just being, like, just the... um the culture i guess of it back then yeah yeah not Uh, all the not the torture (laughs) or any of that no (laughs) but yeah um the tripartium which again is the legal code gave nobles like i said absolute power so burning and branding did not violate the code so they could do that however much they wanted to Uh, One girl stole, this is on record, one girl stole a pear from the kitchen at Castle Choctise, and she was, as a punishment, stripped naked and tied to a tree, covered in honey to be stung and bitten by insects. Which, can can you imagine? Like, that would be... That's horrifying. Horrible. See, that's some, like, the oily pieces of paper between the toes, I feel like that that's not, like thought out too much as far as like the honey with the insects that's so thought out and just so messed up yeah that happened um by reports of witnesses that happened often that she would do that um that's so the girls that is so sad yeah and then all they're doing is taking food because they're hungry yeah I mean, if they were provided for, there would be no reason for them to steal, really. Right. Because that's where they lived. It's not like they could go take that to their family. Right. One of them takes a potato and the other one takes a pear. Yeah. You know, like, that's not really an equal punishment. No. No. (laughs) Another form that Elizabeth really enjoyed was what she called an ice bath, which is, and this would happen in the winter, 
when a girl was stripped naked and thrown outside in the winter and had buckets of water poured on her until she froze. Um, then they so again, yeah, I know it's not legal for them to kill them, but if a girl accidentally died by freezing to death, oops, like she was in charge, nobody could say anything to her. And if 1604 is when Francis died of an unknown disease, but and people say her after his death, like the grief really like warped her brain some more, and that the torture kind of increased at that time um and then in 1609 uh elizabeth opens what she calls a gynoseum and the gynoseum is basically a school for young noble girls who are called like servilias and the servilias are poor nobles who so they're still noble but they're like poorer and they work for the more powerful nobles um and it was an amazing opportunity for the girls to get ahead by going to Elizabeth's Skysenam because they thought this would provide for their family. This would make sure their young girls found, you know, suitable husbands and could go to court and all that stuff. Because um, pr- before it was servant girls, like peasant girls being sent to the castle to work. This is different. The Skysenam is yeah, it's nobles. nobles. Yeah. So, also at this time, George Thurzo is elected Palatine, and he was a really good friend of the Natasty family, and Palatine is a really high official position as well. Um, and actually, when Francis died, he asked George to take care of Elizabeth and, like, look out for her, so he was a very good fam- family friend. Um, but the king, King Matthias II, orders Thurzo to investigate Elizabeth for murder. Whoa. And the king is her cousin, mind you. Mm-hmm. So now her cousin, the king, and her very good friend, who's supposed to look out for her family, are investigating her. Um, because now it's it's like an open secret within the nobles that girls are not coming out. And especially since they're... Everyone knew that was happening anyway, but now that they're nobles, mm-hmm. it's a no-no. <laughs> right. So, in 16... The Geisenayim opened in 1609. By 1610, all of the girls who were sent there were dead. And... Elizabeth claimed all of their deaths were due to disease, which was totally accepted. They were like, oh, well, disease happens, you know. The bubonic plague was floating around at this time as well. So, but suspicion arose when Elizabeth refused to show any bodies or burials so they were like why not because if they were died of disease you could still have a burial oh so on christmas eve that year elizabeth invited king matthias and thurzo to a party in which thurzo questioned her about what was going on at her castle and like can i see some burials that you had and she gets very angry leaves the party and arranges transport with her cousin, King Gabor of Poland, in case she needed to leave right away. So that looks even more suspicious. Huh. Hmm, I wonder why. And the investigation on Elizabeth officially begins, and they call, George Thurzo calls 300 witnesses, 
all of which, all of these witness statements are recorded and existing today. <gasps> wow. And they had a lot to say. Wow, <laughs> so, wow, wow. Yeah. Um, obviously, I can't go through all of the witness statements. <laughs> Why but not? <laughs> there's an excellent book called No Blood in the Water. No Blood in the Water, The Legal and Gender Conspiracies Against Countess Elizabeth Bowtry in Historical Context. Hmm. And that is a book, if you're very interested, she has this author, Rachel Lee Bledsaw, posts a, or writes a lot of like actual letters, a lot of transcripts of the trial and everything in this book. So if you're interested, I'll post the link to it because you can read it online. George Thurzo and Elizabeth's sons-in-law storm her castle December 29th, 1610. They find one girl dead in a hallway somewhere. And then there are three accomplices who are known to be kind of like Elizabeth's ladies-in-waiting who have lived at the castle a long time at this point. And their names are Alona, Joe, Catalin, and Doriota. Mm -hmm. And they were found supposedly the story kind of changes but essentially they were found in some sort of way like cleaning up a mess of assumingly blood or trying to clean something up wow elizabeth herself was eating dinner at the time that they came into the castle a lot of people like to say that because it's more dramatic she was caught in the act she was caught a lot of people say she was caught bathing in blood again oh my god she wasn't she was eating dinner at the time <laughs> so uh, the th- those three women are arrested immediately, but Elizabeth is not because, again, there are a lot of legal things for a noble to go through. Uh, but one of the witnesses who is a pastor, Pastor Janos Ponankus, who is a priest at Kachtize Chapel, sent a letter to George Thurzo saying he found nine dead bodies in the catacombs between Kachtize and his chapel. So that was one of the, another damning piece of evidence. He claims he saw the bodies. I mean, I don't, we don't know. He could be lying, but because no, there are no records of the bodies being found other than like at one time he saw them, you know? Right. So the problem with Elizabeth is she never officially went to trial because it was really hard for a noble to be accused because nobles could not be arrested without a summons and notification that they were going to be arrested. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, which gives them plenty of time to cover things up, you know? And run away. <laughs> yeah. Um, she did not have a summons because uh, murder was one thing you didn't need a summons for. So she didn't have that time, which is why they like busted into her castle. But there, are, she's also extremely protected as being really, really powerful. And George Thurzo, he's doing his best to be stick to the law, but also he's a friend. So he makes, a, yeah, he makes a deal with her son. So Paul, He's pretty young at this time, but he is now Count Nadesty because his father's dead. Mm. And he's now in charge of the family. And Thurzo makes a deal with Paul and his nanny. She's a really high official nanny because mm-hmm. she takes care of him. Uh, her name's Amre Magiri. Uh, they make a deal to arrest Elizabeth as long as she doesn't go to trial. 
because it would look really, really bad for the mm-hmm. family. And they agreed as long as Thurzo would not go to trial, she could go into like house arrest basically and originally she was going to go to a convent but that kind of got changed around as well and technically another really hard thing to stick on her was there wasn't other than the body they found in the hallway there really wasn't um anything they could put against her because technically she wasn't breaking the law with torture Mm. so without saying definitively she murdered all these girls they couldn't say that you couldn't stick it on her really right right. so one of the witnesses her name is Susanna she was a servant girl she said this is where the 650 comes in she claims she found a ledger that had 650 girls names and Susanna says the countess made her write down each girl's name that she killed and no such ledger was ever found Mm. so Susanna could be making that up but that's where her big claim to fame you know comes from Mm -hmm. 650 um through the 300 witnesses they surmise that she is officially why can't I think of the word? Convicted? <laughs> convicted. She's okay. officially convicted of 80 murders. Um, a lot of people obviously believe it's way more than that. Mm-hmm. And personally, I do believe it could be more than that because she had a lot of girls coming in and out of her castle. Well, right, not that's the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. As you said, like, all the girls that went in, none of them came out and all of them died of some mysterious disease. Yeah. S- yeah. So, she claims at first, like I said, that they all died of disease, but then she later changes her story, claiming some, one of the girls was caught stealing, and to prevent herself from being caught, this girl killed all the other girls in the castle to cover it up, and then killed herself. And nobody believed that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But had she not changed her story, she could have been let off the hook. But since she changed her story that it wasn't disease, that's what really she got herself in the end. You got got, Elizabeth. Yeah. Um, Thurzo's report also claimed he saw... He claims... It's so weird. His original statement says he saw the one dead body. Then later... There's another written account that says he saw at least 20 in the basement. So that's why it's so hard with these things. You don't know what exactly is true because he's mm-hmm. the one who officially arrested her, but he changed his story. So which one is it? Yeah, like, because I can see it both ways. I can see him just saying one dead body to make it not seem so bad, but then once he learns, like, the extent of what she had done then he's kind of like okay no screw you like i'm gonna tell the truth and then he talks about the 20 dead bodies that he found yeah or he didn't see that but he's you know there are all these rumors rolling around and he kind of wants a piece of that yeah um there's also a conspiracy that the king and thurzo wanted to they owed her money remember They wanted to get Mm. rid of her so they would have no debts. However, um, at the time of her arrest, the countess 
did not own all of the lands and estates that she once had because her husband was dead. Um, so really all of his treasures had been spent by then. Um, she was still very powerful, but also they couldn't, the king couldn't possibly have gotten anything out of it. He, she didn't have funds that he could take away, really. She had her castle and that was about it at the time. So I'm kind of explaining it poorly, but I kind of have like no time to go into that. But like there is a lot to support that that was not the case either, that it was just to get money back, you know? Right. You know, I kind of get that, but then uh, how would they have... Uh, are you saying that the rumor is that she didn't do any of it and yeah. that they just tried to stick it on her? Yeah. But, I mean, like you said, she, these women, these girls were going in and weren't coming out and right. then she changes all these stories. So that conspiracy doesn't even make sense yeah, because... what? Okay, stick. then where's the story with all the girls? <laughs> yeah. And I'm, it's just kind of unbelievable to me that she didn't do anything. Right. I do believe it's exaggerated, but yeah. Um, so she lost her priv- her privilege to be a noble, um, which, oh, answer to your question. I had this written down. Rape was, um, the serfs were protected for rape from the nobles. So okay. you could lose your status as a noble if you raped somebody. Good right? Um, she officially was put under house arrest, and there are a lot of rumors she was walled in. She wasn't, but she had to stay within a tower of her castle until her death. I know. I was thinking house arrest. Okay, so you have like 20 acres. (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, Alana Jo was executed, which is her accomplices. They got it far worse than she did. Alana Joe was burned at the stake after her fingers were removed. And <gasps> oh, so was Doriata. No. And then Janos was beheaded and thrown into a fire. <gasps> and then Catalina got life imprisonment. I don't know why she got off <sighs> any differently. I'm not sure. Maybe it was just maybe it was just the status of all of them of yeah like however far their standing went yeah but life imprisonment was there were no jails or penitentiaries at the time so confinement was in your home really um only the wealth the mentally ill and wealthy mentally ill were ever confined really so this was kind of a groundbreaking thing as well that elizabeth was put in uh, right. life sentence because normally that would only be if you were mentally ill and killed someone or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, even though she was really good at hiding it because she's a psychopath, she probably was mentally ill. Yeah. I would say there are probably some undiagnosed things going on with her. Right. Yeah. So she died in 1614. So she spent four years in confinement before she died. Um, she was fif- she was in her 50s. Um, I think her health just like rapidly deteriorated from being confined and her son uh, took over all of her lands and stuff, but their family name was kind of like really kind of tarnished at that time. Understandable. Uh, yeah. And then her daughter, Anna Bathory of Transylvania, was actually also put on trial four years after her death in 
1618. Also, she was accused of incest and infanticide. Uh, she was found guilty and exiled to Poland. Um, and with her exile really came the end of the Bathory or Bowtry uh, nobility in Transylvania. So their line kind of just like wow. died off because of all of this. Wow. Yeah. To, to have something that insane that will destroy a family line. Yeah. Is crazy. It is. It takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because think of how many connections she had. How mm. many. She had. She was connected to all three branches of the royal family of the time. And it was a really. This was a really big. Like think of if she hadn't done this. What the history mm-hmm. of Transylvania of Hungary would have looked like with them continuing in power. Like how long would their family have survived? Like what could have been different? It's just crazy to think right. about. And I wonder how many people were still behind her the whole time, like, saying, like, no, this isn't her. She is so giving, like, you know, trying to defend her. Yeah. So there's, um, there's so much more to this as well. I I just, like, it's impossible to fit it all in, but all the conspiracies around it. But it's really interesting to me. And I think what makes this the most interesting to me is trying to I read all these books about it trying to figure out for myself what's fact and fiction mm-hmm. so it's really in- interesting I really like reading the the trial transcripts or uh, she didn't officially go to trial but so the witness transcripts and stuff of stuff they said happened and yeah that would yeah. be really interesting so what I believe she definitely was a sadistic person because there's a ton of proof of that right and I do believe she was a murderer but to the extent of 650 and the bathing in blood i do not believe so yeah that's what i believe i wonder if like this whole thing with blood was just sparked because of the whole epilepsy thing yeah also yeah i I don't know if i mentioned it the mention of her bathing in blood comes from a pastor who wrote about her in 1716 yeah you said it it wasn't mentioned until later i think that was an that could be another thing he was a pastor i believe so and he used a lot of like she was a protestant so of course she would do this so i think it was like religious propaganda of the time oh my goodness (laughs) why does that happen that happens a lot but yeah come on so that is the bloody countess wow that that can be honestly this can be turned into like a series i know because it's too much to be even in a movie it baffles me that no one's really made anything of this yeah like i know that's horrible um to say but she is an infamous yes serial killer yes i learned, I learned the word infamous she's, this week yeah <laughs> i need to make sure i said it uh she's in the guinness world record book to this day of wow. her kills so yeah so i just i can't believe they haven't made a some kind of series about it because not all like, it just sounds like a crazy drama and honestly the killings and the torture don't even have to be, like, a main part of it. Like, yeah, it can really be about her life, and then that can be on the side, and then, like, it kind of slowly comes to light kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, like, all the war and all the stuff that was going on is, like, yeah. a movie in itself, other than her I crimes. Mean, yeah, her husband being such a savage in court and, like, yeah, there, all of it. Yeah, I wish I could, like, 
fit all of that in those stories about stuff that he did as a soldier and like all of that there's so much more there is an episode about her on a show called lore on amazon prime okay um but it's like only 30 minutes like you need to dig deep oh into yeah it, you know I, that's like yeah. barely even scratching the surface with this woman we've barely scratched the surface yeah. with her i'm serious i didn't even get through all my notes that i wrote in my notebook like it's seriously crazy no, honestly, this needs to be like a TV show. Yeah, to learn about it, and yeah, someone it can't do just it. be a documentary. It can't just be some some movie that's reenacting it. It's got to be something that put in the time. Yeah, yeah. But that would, I think it would probably be a really expensive production because oh, it's based sure. and a lot of research because it's based back in the 1500s. Yeah, uh, the costumes alone. Would I was be, just gonna say that the costumes alone would be. Yeah. Uh, mimicking the castle that you were describing just sounds like that would be a big money spender so to be done right yeah it would be a big uh, production i forgot to mention she's also bram stoker's uh author of dracula she was his inspiration for dracula as well forgot that big part (laughs) i kind of thought it sounded a little vampire-y yeah you know just with the blood and yes so she she and Vlad the Impaler are the big influences of Dracula. So. <gasps> no way. Was she a vampire? Probably not. <laughs> was she a witch? No. Was she a Satanist? No. <laughs> was she, she a psychopath? Was... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was she mentally ill from uh, untreated <laughs> epilepsy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that is very interesting. What's her name again? Countess Elizabeth Bowtree. Countess. Elizabeth Battery. All right. Well, and then no, I'm Casey. I'm Emily. And you just heard a sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder. <laughs>